Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you on the day after the election. And of course, we're still having major questions about balance of power, what's happening in Washington, D.C. Most of the Utah races settled in uh, pretty much as predicted. Uh, we'll talk about those a little bit later in the show. But one of the interesting things that we have been exploring today as we look at some of the results across the country is uh, really getting to those unanswered questions. Obviously, counts are going to continue in some of these uh, districts and Senate races. Uh, the bulk of the contest is done for the country. So now we can look back a little bit, reflect on what the American people have told us, who came out ahead uh, as Leland uh, Vitter just shared with us, you know, who needs to do some soul searching, who needs to reevaluate, and what will these results mean for our electoral politics moving forward? Those are all really crucial questions for us. So I want to dig into a couple of things. Uh, Mark Thiessen from the American Enterprise Institute uh, was on Fox News, where he gave a really interesting analysis on last night's election and the in apparent indictment of the Republican Party. Take a listen. We have the worst inflation in four decades, the worst collapse in real wages in 40 years, the worst crime wave since the 1990s, the worst border crisis in U.S. history. We have Joe Biden, who is the least popular president since Harry Truman, since presidential polling happened, and there wasn't a red wave. That is a searing indictment of the Republican Party. That is a searing indictment of the message that we have been sending to the voters. They looked at all of that and said, and looked at the Republican alternative and said, no thanks. That is, that is a really, the Republican Party needs to do a really deep introspection look in the mirror right now because this is, this is an absolute disaster for the Republican Party and we need to turn back. We need to start, we need to look at who won today. Ron DeSantis, DeWine, uh, the, these, these governors, okay. Kemp, Abbott. Abbott, you know, look at these governors. This is the path to the future. And electing these, you know, these these radical candidates who who ran far behind them has put the Republican Party in a terrible position, and voters have left an have have indicted the Republican Party. That might be the best distillation you'll hear from a Republican on the Republican Party. Uh, I think Mark got it absolutely right uh, in terms of where do you have to look, and and that's what you have to do. Results matter, and and you can point fingers and you can place blame and you can say it was this or that or the other. Uh, but when you look at that litany of things that Mark ticked off in terms of inflation, crime, uh, all the different challenges across the country and no red wave at all, uh, president with a, a very low approval rating and, and on and on. Uh, and for so many people to look at the Republican alternative and say, 
Hard pass. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, is is an indictment in terms of where they are and what they're doing. And this brings us to, to where we actually start back in the spring. So I'm going to do the rewind clock for you. We're going to go back to the spring to primary season. And it is one thing to win a primary in the spring. It is a completely different thing to win a general election in the fall. And the same happens to be true on the Democratic side of the aisle. Uh, they put up some candidates that were very, very far to the left. And guess what? Those candidates did really well in the spring and completely fell apart in the fall on the first Tuesday of November. And so that's an interesting thing for both parties to really look at in terms of their process and how they're choosing, how they're going about getting their candidates on the ballot. So that's an interesting uh, commentary there. Also interesting, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, uh, he was on Good Morning America, where he also weighed in on the election, pointing out that the candidates pushed by the former president underperformed on election night. We already heard John Carl say that Donald Trump was the biggest loser of the night. Do you agree? Oh, there's no question. Look, um, the, the big problem is that in every one of these races where, given the atmosphere, both inside these states and nationally, where Republicans should have picked up, they lost because we had inferior candidates. Mitch McConnell previewed this uh, over the summer uh, with his concerns about Senate candidates in particular. And all, almost every one of these Trump endorsed candidates that you see in competitive states has, have lost. And it's, it's, it's a huge loss for, for Trump. And again, it shows that his political instincts are not about the party. They're not about the country. They're about him. So there's one litmus test. If you say the 2020 election was stolen, I'm with you. And if you don't, I'm not. And your qualifications or your ability to win don't enter the evaluation. So very interesting uh, from the Republican side. Again, a lot of those uh, that were tied to the former president underperformed on election night. They did very well in their primaries and had that momentum going into summer. But by the time they went head to head with a Democratic opponent in the fall, the, the wheels sort of came off. Uh, so that's an interesting thing. Uh, there also were some some interesting defeats uh, for some of the the Democrats. Uh, Representative Sean Patrick Maloney, the the chair of the one of the most powerful things on the planet, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, or DCCC, as we often refer to it, uh, he lost in New York uh, in a a place where he easily should have won. Uh, and so uh, for some, that should be a, a stinging loss for Democrats, a symbolic loss for a lot of Democrats in that uh, they did well. The blue wall did hold. So you have to give him that. But uh, he ended up losing in the end, which is just a, a ultimate act of irony. Uh, I believe Speaker Pelosi called it a Pyrrhic victory. In other words, he helped uh, all the rest of the Democrats hold on. Uh, but he himself lost uh, in the end. And so there's still a lot to break down and there will be more analysis. There will be a lot more finger pointing. Uh, Both sides will roll out their positive spin talking points. uh, And we're going to get past that as we go through the rest of the program today. We want to get into what does this mean for you? Who were the real winners and the real losers uh, last night? And I don't I think they're not who we think they are. 
And we'll talk about that uh, coming up in just a little bit. We'll go ahead and step aside now for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, our special control of Congress. We'll dive into that coming up next. Stick around. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.